Welcome to Star Wars Episode 5, War. We left off in the year 5000 BBY. And we have now reached a time of galactic war for our galaxy. To kick it off, we have the Mandalorian people, not the new one. Uh, who, after encountering the Jedi in the past, decide to create weapons of their own to be able to battle on equal footing as the Jedi. Which begins the Mandalorian Wars on planet Mandalore. However, the Mandalorians did not account for the power of the Force outweighing their desire to win. And ultimately, the planet was scorched into a lifeless desert, uh, forcing the remaining Mandalorians to live in small, secluded, domed cities. It's not, not super good for them. Uh, elsewhere, the Chiss Ascendancy that we mentioned last episode found themselves an enemy while exploring the unknown regions of space, and the battle forces, the Chiss were forced to, uh, retreat back to their home world Chilla while this unknown enemy captured all of the Chiss worlds like all the surrounding Chiss worlds and with all of their armies on one planet they plan a final assault against this nobody knows who this unknown enemy is but now that like the Chiss are not the like run scared type of people they're super calculated and very intelligent and have made contingency plans so with their backs against the wall knowing they were facing extinction they unveiled their new mega weapon called the star flash and this mega weapon needed 20 people to power it with all 20 people being killed in the process of activating it and it could only be used once. So <laughs> the Chiss enemy brings their entire fleet to destroy the homeworld of Chilla because they've already conquered like every little outer outlying like moon that had Chiss people and smaller planets that had Chiss people. And uh, they kind of gathered all of their forces at each place and all went to surround Chilla and brought everyone to just wipe out the remaining Chiss people. And one Chiss family, the Myths, they're like they had a small group of them known as the Starflash team. And they were able to get their heavily armed ship to the center of the enemy fleet and activate the Starflash, sending a massive burst of tachyonic and light speed energy toward Chilla's sun, which triggers a return blast thousands of times more powerful than the initial blast, which creates like a mega nuke, decimating the entire fleet. Now, even though the Chiss were victorious, the nature of the weapon was that it sent tachyonic energy towards Chilla's sun, which permanently weakened it causing it to cool over the next several decades. 
which ended up freezing their home planet and making the service inhabitable, which forced the surviving Chiss people to live underground. And it wasn't a huge win, but they avoided extinction. So, uh, but the surviving Chiss people of the myth family were elevated to royalty, placing them in the ruling family of Chiss. Since they they kind of worked off a royalty caste system in Chilla. But all not all the details of the final assault were made public. And actually the ruling families covered up the assault which most people let it be it, you know, it, it created a few conspiracy theories within the Chiss ascendancy but they also just narrowly avoided extinction so there were more important things to worry about as the planet froze <laughs> so the day was mostly saved for the Chiss people to rebuild elsewhere still pretty far away from the core worlds the Sith army grew on Moraband, led by Sith Lord Naga Sadal, who we talked about, who we left off the last episode on, and decided now was the time to finally strike against the Jedi and the Galactic Republic. The overwhelming power of the revived Sith army caught Coruscant off guard and completely unprepared for the Sith forces that overran the Republic capital and the entire city world of Coruscant. And in their victory, they built a Sith shrine over a conquered Jedi force spire, which corrupted it. And now it acted as a nexus for the dark side of the force because this Jedi force spire was put in place by the Jedi because it had such a good, like, force. It was a force nexus, so they were able to kind of draw from the force because it was just a high force energy spot. And when they corrupted it, now it's a dark force energy spot. So the Sith-Jedi war on Coruscant created a terrible place to live for the rest of the people living on Coruscant. The city kind of became a dictatorship, leading to tons of refugees fleeing the planet in search for a better system not yet touched by the Sith. And they arrive, I mean, many of them arrive on the swampy forest planet of Naboo, where the native Gungans saw this invasion as a threat to their own way of life and began a war against the refugees. And Gungans are the Jar Jar Binks people. Uh, But they were no match for the humans, and uh, (laughs) eventually they're forced to make a peace agreement, which is a weird sentence, but uh, (laughs) the Gungans retreated and moved their cities to the waters, and the humans were free to build their own cities on land. Now, while that was going on, the Sith Temple was completed on Coruscant. And the Jedi cannot let 
this kind of nexus to the dark side of the forest exist on the planet. I mean, Coruscant is like the main place. It's like the New York City of the galaxy. And this time the Jedi knew what to expect. They, they knew the Sith army that was there and the Jedi had time to actually prepare this time. So the Jedi siege, siege the shrine, burning the whole thing to the ground and defeating the Sith, driving them off the planet in an event called the Great Hyperspace War. And in their victory, the Jedi built another temple over that temple. Or at least what was left of the Sith temple after burning it to the ground. But this new temple was able to contain the dark energy that was pumping out of the corrupted virgins. Which literally and metaphorically buried the Sith legacy on Coruscant. Which was a pretty big deal. It's like the Sith losing on the biggest stage in front of everyone since Coruscant was like the place to be. So with this loss, the the Sith were considered like toast. Uh, Coruscant was able to go back to normal-ish. The people were mostly liberated and then all was good. The tricky part with them is it's like if they did it once, they could do it again. So a lot of people lost faith in the government of Coruscant and the Jedi. And But it kind of split the people a little bit, but they were kind of fighting with each other over nothing. Now, there are a few, like, myth stories that talk about the Sith Empire led by Naga Sadao uh, invading the planet Empress Teta during this great hyperspace war just afterwards or around the same time. And in this story, the people of Empress Teta worked with the Jedi order to defeat the Sith there as well. But I think it was just the deep core planets way of like trying to feel included. Like, Oh, there's a big Jedi Sith war on Coruscant. Actually, us too, but even crazier. Cool. But we have to bounce back to Naboo, where the new humans of Naboo have split into different warring factions between each other now that the war with the Gungans was settled. You You put everybody in a place where they get to develop their own city, and it turns out they don't all agree on the same things. So, this ended up being called the Time of Suffering, because it went on for quite a while, until a general named Jafon had just enough... All the stories said he had just enough determination and enough weapons to end the war and unite the people together, and became the king of Naboo. And, and all the humans decided to just be called Naboo, like the people from Naboo. So I ended the time of suffering and began a new era called the Great Time of Peace for the whole planet, not the galaxy, unfortunately. Uh, 
Now, the time of suffering was a bit later in the timeline, but it's kind of inconsequential by having it now rather than a couple thousand years later. But now with all of these Jedi-Sith battles and the Sith Lord Naga Sadao actually... He managed to survive through all of them somehow. Uh, after the loss on Coruscant and the deep core planets for a different battle that I didn't mention, he found himself on the planet Ossus, the site of the Jedi Order's first temple. And it also kind of acted like a Jedi retreat. Home to the Great Jedi Library, which is the largest Jedi Library of knowledge in the galaxy. Well, Naga Sadao was still a little bit upset about the whole, like, Sith being fucking dominated on Coruscant. And his whole army getting killed and the temple being burned to the ground that he built and everything he fought for being for nothing so he's upset you know totally fair well around Ossus was a cluster of stars called the Kron Cluster and Naga Sadao used all his built up hate through the force to trigger the stars of the cluster to all go supernova ultimately devastating Ossus uh, destroying the library permanently destroying several ancient Jedi texts in the process uh, and just by chance the Jedi managed to save like barely a fraction of the artifacts on the planet uh, moving them to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. But after the destruction of Ossus, I mean, the planet's still there, but it's not anything like it was before. Um, Naga Sadao left for the moon Yavin 4, home of the sentient Masasai people, or Masasai warriors. They're kind of red-skinned, hulking, humanoid beasts like fitted with large claws and huge muscles. And these Masasai worshipped Nagasadao like a god for the abilities he had and things he was able to do just with the Force. And they built a Sith temple under his leadership. It was... It was more like a slavery situation, like he treated them like shit. Um... But way, way later, archaeologists found out that it might have been used as like this, the Sith temple that he made them build might have acted like a really large communication tower to contact other Sith lords throughout the galaxy. But no matter what it was, uh, Naga Sadao must have really liked his new kingdom on Yavin 4 because that's where he stayed. And it's where his tomb was, and it's where the Masasai and their descendants protected his tomb after he died. So, we've reached kind of the middle of the episode, and now is probably as good a time as any, where if you would like to either watch these episodes in the video form, 
or just you like the episodes and want to get them early as I make them, like this one is probably being made maybe a week in advance, maybe more. Uh, you can go to vexcomics.com and hit subscribe or support, whatever the, I think it's support. And you just pick an amount um, for as little as $3 a month and you get access to episodes early, you get uh, access to the video episodes, you get access to my streaming service that has movies, TV shows, anything Star Wars related, anything comics related, usually stuff early. Um, uh, Stuff is added every day. If you have issues with it, you could talk to me directly and I'll fix them for you. If you want something specific, you can request it and I'll add it for you. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, again, that's uh, vexcomics.com. But with this story kind of taken care of, we return our focus to a different Sith Lord. Granted, this was still before the Rule of Two, so there was still multiple Sith Lords throughout the galaxy at this time especially after you're being scattered from the wars. But now we have Darth Tannis on the rocky, hellish wasteland in the Outer Rim on planet Malachor. And there he has the Malachor Sith Temple built, housing the Malachor superweapon. The superweapon was powered by a colossal kyber crystal that the temple was basically built around. Now, this was like this is the first attempt at the Sith recreating a large-scale weapon since losing the big Jedi-Sith war. So naturally, the Jedi decide that this weapon can't exist and head to Malachor to destroy it. They get, you know, they feel it in the force that there was some bad energy going on on Malachor. So they go there. And the Jedi forces are met with a lot of Sith in a battle known as the Great Scourge of Malachor. And during the battle, Darth Tannis activated the super weapon, powered by a Sith holocron which ended up petrifying everyone in and around the temple. Uh, Jedi and Sith alike, leaving nobody alive. And throughout time, smugglers would bring Sith artifacts, allegedly from Malachor, some obviously being fakes, but some legit ones. Another popular smuggler's item was Ashes of Malachor, made from the pulverized bones of petrified Jedi and Sith, which would increase the power of whoever consumed it like a drug. But the the destruction was so intense and the weapon was so powerful that Malachor was forbidden to the Jedi. And as the lessons were taught, throughout time to the younglings more and more legends would get told about the battle and it would get more exaggerated over time and 
nobody really remembered what actually happened after so long. This was mostly because of the decision to erase all traces of the planet's existence from all Jedi archives and hopes it would just be lost to time and never discovered again to never be activated again and the Jedi have a habit of erasing history that they don't like which is questionable behavior but (laughs) this whole deep-seated like rivalry between the Jedi and Sith grew quite a bit during this time and uh the warring continued between between the two which caused so much of a commotion around the galaxy that our old buddies the chiss decided to throw their hat into the race looking for warmer pastures acting as a third party in the war for a couple hundred years before realizing that the two sides have like a whole long history and it was not worth getting in the middle. So the Chith, the Chiss withdrew back to the unknown regions. They decided to keep this war was not theirs to fight. And the Jedi and Sith had a whole situation, but eventually throughout the wars, the ally to the Sith, the Drengir, became a little too difficult to handle and the great progenitor aka the first drengear of this like hive mind species ended up getting trapped in a space station in stasis by the Sith they were just kind of done with the partnership the drengear were really hard to control and they were trying the Sith needed more like precise attacks and the Drengir were kind of chaotic attackers. But putting the the great progenitor in stasis, it forced the other Drengir to also sleep. And that leads us to the year two thousand BBY, where in episode six we will enter the new age of developments and that's that's about it easy 23 minutes easy (laughs) there's a lot of war but not uh it's it's fucking star wars what do you want like half of the half of the name <laughs> but slowly working up from the year to 25,000 mostly uh, made it to the year 2000 I'm sure when it gets closer to like the year 100 BBY the episodes will start to taper down and time that it covers just because there's more information and a lot more really happens that's when once we hit about i don't know maybe 50 bby 
is when the first official story starts that like there's good uh, like canon comic content of um, but we gotta work our way there first so we will see you next time for episode 6 new developments <laughs>